0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Thank you for joining us as your weekend begins. A uh, wonderful weekend of soccer coming at you from pretty much all angles. South American angles, Copa America final tomorrow. Women's World Cup angles. World Cup final on Sunday. MLS angles. Yes, there are international absences, but hey, it's a full MLS weekend. There's a lot on the plate. Fourth of July weekend, 2015. And it is Fourth of July weekend. You're going to be out barbecuing and uh, uh, hanging out outside and hopefully having your neighbors over and talking about soccer. Hopefully that that's a thing. And maybe this will be the opportunity for me. If you've listened to this program for long enough, you know that I have a couple of, these are personal rules. I'm not going to impress them upon you, but these are my personal rules. When it comes to the wearing of jerseys out in public as a an adult human being, sometimes it's not the right look. Sometimes it's okay. Depends on the circumstance. I know I'm equivocating here, but in a 4th of July setting, wear one just wear a jersey out wear a jersey out to your to your favorite uh to your neighborhood barbecue to your block party uh to your co-workers grill uh you know grill out whatever whatever you're doing wear a jersey that way you can start a conversation about soccer and who doesn't want to do that maybe wear the uh if you have one of the women's national team jerseys wear that out talk about the women at the world cup going for number three i uh Happened to run into a couple of teenage boys. Not, that sounds really bad. I happened to run into a couple of kids who were wearing, uh, Manchester United shirts yesterday. Now, I'm not a Manchester United fan. I find myself, uh, kind of, uh, uh kind of, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I was like, come on, guys. Manchester United really. How hard was it to pick the winningest team in England? That, that's what you went with? Okay, whatever. What, whatever floats your boat. If you're a Manchester United fan out there, I hope you're not so offended you turn off your your, uh, your radio, your podcast machine, whatever you're listening to. You're, not, you're listening to your radio, not on the radio. But you know what I mean. On this show today, Tom Marshall will join us. That'll happen at 9.40 a.m. Eastern. We're going to talk about Mexico. Mexico because they've lost Chicharito Hernandez. They've got some injury problems. They're heading into a Gold Cup about as um, With about as little momentum as you possibly can. If you're Mexico. If you're one of the favorites in the tournament. This is a big tournament for Mexico. They're putting a lot into it. And there is some pressure on Miguel Herrera to win the whole thing. A lot of pressure, as a matter of fact. We'll take stock of the Mexican situation with good old Tommy Marshall in uh, in about 36 minutes or so in between the news and Tom will take your phone calls on a Friday. So let's start out with the news. USA Guatemala today. Yes, there is a U.S. friendly coming up this afternoon or uh, early evening, depending on how you want to look at it. 6.30 p.m. Eastern from Nashville, Tennessee, the United States taking on Guatemala in a Gold Cup warm-up match. Now, what do you want to see out of the lineup for the United States in this match? We'll open up the phones later on in the in the program to get your thoughts on this. I re- I myself read the uh, lineup prediction of one uh, Franco Panizo over at SoccerByIvis.com and found myself nodding along with everything that he has laid out. I don't have it in front of me, but I imagine I could go through this pretty quickly. Uh, we have a full U.S. team. At this, uh, at this team, a, a, a an experienced team capable of winning the tournament. You imagine that Aaron Klinsman wants to put out his strongest lineup against Guatemala, get them ready for the real games. Here's the way that Franco has it laid out, and again, can't deny that uh, this is the probably the best lineup they've got available at the moment. Josie Outdoor, Clint Dempsey up top, four four two diamond here. Michael Bradley at the point, Giassi Zardes on the left, Alejandro Bedoya on the right. Kyle Beckerman at the base, Timmy Chandler on the left, fullback position, Fabian Johnson right, fullback position. Now, you could swap them or maybe make a change there at fullback, Uh, but that may be the best team. John Brooks, Omar Gonzalez in the middle, and Brad Guzan in net, clearly, clearly. So the United States against Guatemala this evening, I'll be doing player ratings for that game for ESPN FC. So if you're uh, interested in arguing with me and debating my, uh, my choices and hating on everything I do, we'll be on the lookout for that piece at ESPNFC later on today. Copa America final, I mentioned that tomorrow. Chile, Argentina, just about the best final you could have hoped for out of this tournament. Quite the, bit of, uh, quite, quite the amount of drama at this tournament. Arturo Vidal and his wreck. Uh, obviously the finger incident with Gonzalo Ja. You have the Neymar and his uh, suspension. Lots of things happening down in Copa America. And now we get the final that everybody hoped for Chile-Argentina on Saturday. Women's World Cup final on Sunday. USA-Japan, a rematch of the 2011 World Cup final, won by Japan on penalties. This will be an opportunity for the United States to turn over that result and get that third star. Looking good, full of confidence. It's amazing how much things turn on one game. Wanted to t- uh, touch base uh, with the core player designation, this rumored rule change coming to MLS that will allow the LA Galaxy to sign Giovanni Dos Santos. Now, he would not be signed under the core player designation. He's not a core player by whatever, by any reasonable definition. What the core player designation will do, this is according to Christian Dyer at, um, at Yahoo.com will allow teams to have extra allocation money to apply to the salary of a player who fits between the $436,000 and $750,000 range. And then call that player a core player and open up a DP slot. It's not necessarily a new new designation or a new rule. or uh, It's more more than anything else, it's a way to apply your allocation money. Here's a the key graph from Christian Dyer. The new mechanism isn't a fourth designated player slot, as some had speculated. Rather, it's a new player designation called core player, which sounds like a new concept, but is really a new way to implement implement allocation money. Here you go. A source told Yahoo Sports that a core player is a current designated player who makes more than the league's maximum salary of 436000 but less than 750000 The rule is up for evaluation next year, a second league source said when MLS could decide to potentially add more allocation money into the pot for each team. But as part of the new CBA signed between the league and the players' union, each team is given an additional 100000 per year in allocation to be applied to, the, to these players who fall between the aforementioned core player threshold. Allocation money has always been available for teams to pay down salaries so that they don't count as designated players, meaning that such a player can have, a designated, can have allocation money applied to his contract so he technically doesn't count as a DP, thereby freeing up one of those three slots for another player. The core player rule allows teams to specifically target players in this salary range. This has been done before, but they're just making more money available, more allocation money available. It seems as, uh, seems like, I believe wasn't, uh, Dwayne Dorisario not technically a DP at DC United, but was making DP cash. Something like that. That's, that's where we are with this rule. That's where they seem to be headed. That's why they could shift Omar Gonzalez by paying down his salary uh, via allocation money into a core designated, a core player designation and then sign Giovanni Dos Santos as a designated player. There you go. The MLS uh, schedule this weekend, I mentioned that, a big one. Houston, Chicago tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Actually, I'll be on the mic for Rabble.tv for that game. Make sure you check that out. Seattle DC late game tonight out in Seattle. Big matchup. DC United comes in pretty much full strength. I mean, not full strength in terms of injuries. They do have a rash of injuries. Excuse me. So they are injury hit. Meanwhile, Seattle has injuries and international absences. Brad Evans, Clint Dempsey gone. Columbus, New York on Saturday, your 4th of July weekend or 4th of July games. Columbus, New York, 730 Eastern. Montreal, NYCFC, Dallas and New England at 9 p.m. in Dallas, Colorado, Vancouver in Colorado, RSL, Orlando, uh, a late game, and LA, Toronto, a late game as well. Portland and San Jose is on Sunday. That game has been moved. That game has been pushed back to 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, for, for Was it for heat reasons? Because it's so damn hot? Is that what I saw? They keep up with this stuff. Uh, later on the show, I also want to talk about the state of the MLS to, Min- to Minnesota plan. Some uh, some things leaking out about the league pushing for St. Paul to get into the mix. Is this just a leverage ploy against the city of Minneapolis? More than likely. And uh, Manchester United striker Falcao, or whatever he was, was, he on loan? He was on loan, technically. Is now on loan at Chelsea, so they've added that player. If anybody can get 12, 15 goals out of Falcao at this point... It's probably Mr. Mourinho. Let's take a break. When we come back, phone lines open, and later on in the program, as I mentioned, Tom Marshall talking Mexico. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. You're the crowd. You're talking too
0: loud.
1: The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand, featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. This Sunday evening, the Women's World Cup final will determine who is the greatest team on the planet. Will it be the U.S. of A., Japan, Germany, or England that will be crowned champions? Whoever it'll be, I'd like to invite you to join my World Soccer Talk friends, Carter Krishnire and Caitlin O'Connell on Rabble.tv for a real fan's perspective. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on television, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to soccer fans sharing their analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app on Sunday. So mark your calendars for Sunday, July 5th at 6.45 p.m. Eastern and celebrate the Women's World Cup final with Cardick and Caitlin. Live on Rabble. TV.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. With Jason Davis.
1: We are back on a Friday edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you for joining us. If your phone works, you should give me a call. 646 832 3909 is the phone number. Let me say that one more time. 646 839. I just screwed it up. I said it. Let me say it again. I screwed it up. 646 832 3909. Six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. It's Friday. Your brain goes away. Your brain just decides to quit on Fridays. Yeah, and getting ready for your Fourth of July celebration. And I'm I'm advocating for American soccer. Every fan out there, every every person who's in this game, everybody who loves soccer, even a little bit, to grab for the Fourth of July and make it a soccer holiday. Now I don't know what that means exactly. I mean, get the ball out, kick it around. I mean, make, ev- make every, take every opportunity to play a pickup game at your barbecue. I mean, you got the block party going on. I, mean, I remember these block parties from when I was a kid. Now I was lucky enough to grow up in the suburbs for the most part. So yeah, not everybody has this opportunity, but you know, we would go to these block parties. Like literally, the entire neighborhood would be. Congregated in one or two people's driveways like that that's we we they'd get the tents up they'd rent the tents they'd put that up they'd uh i mean they'd have like the 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 jungle juice slash punch for the adults and the kids would be like all hopped up on sugar and we'd all be running around and we'd have sparklers when it got dark and uh, that you get the ball out and you kick it out we didn't do that I don't even know like I guess we just i guess we threw the football around i I don't know. I don't know what we did. Maybe wiffle ball in the backyard? None of that. This is a soccer country now. Get your soccer ball out. Kick that thing around. Get a get get a, you know, get a kids versus adults game going. You can probably crush the adults. 646 832 3909. Couple of things here for you. Couple of questions. Number one, what do you make of this core player designation? As MLS looks to Improve clubs' abilities to sign players like Giovanni Del Santos, for example, or anybody. Uh, you know, again, this is an inch uh, the the reason for this rule, I suppose. And this is going to benefit the big teams who want to spend the money, and it's going to to, to on some on some level allow lesser teams to uh, to just go cheap again with their DPS. Uh, but your big teams like the LA Galaxy, can shift a player like Omar Gonzalez into the designated player, or sorry, the core player designation and then get another DP, improves their team, maybe at the expense of everybody else. I think the perception is going to hold that this is a rule that benefits the Galaxy, the Red Bulls, Seattle, Toronto, clubs that want to spend a lot of money, therefore dragging out that separation between the top teams, the top spending teams, and everybody else. Now, as long as MLS has the great equalizer that is the playoffs, and remember, six teams get in, they can at least say that parity reigns on some level. When it comes to championships, parity still reigns because you're not guaranteed to win a title just because you're able to sign four players of high quality. Now, the, the details of the rule are a little, um, I don't know. They're, 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 I'm not that interested in the details. I'm not a, a rules guy, generally speaking. The only reason I care about MLS rules is because they change all the time and they dictate who the league can sign. But here's another nugget from Christian Dyer's piece. The interesting twist of the money, $100,000 per, per team over the span of five years. So $100,000 per team over the span of five years. It can be used in one lump sum. So, in the case of the Galaxy, that flexibility would allow the defending MLS champions to add Dos Santos to their lineup. There you go. Let's go to our friend uh, Roberto up in Connecticut. How you doing, Roberto? Hey, Jason. How are you? Morning. Uh, good morning, sir.
0: Um. Um. Yeah, I just want your take for the uh, the big final on Fourth of July.
1: So uh man, I want. I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of what happened with Vidal. Um. Gonzalo Hara has kind of ruined the tournament for me a little bit. Uh, Not ruined the tournament, but made it an icky thing to think about. Uh, But I want the home team to win. And I don't know if this is... I don't know if it's because I'm just rooting for the home team and it'd be great to see them lift the trophy and it's been a long time. But... Or if it's because I kind of like the Messi hasn't won anything storyline. And that's mean to to think. uh, Mean to feel. Roberto, but I kind of, I don't know, I kind of don't want Messi to win the t- the trophy. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> but don't you feel there's some type of conspiracy, this entire thing of Chile going all the way to the final?
1: A conspiracy? You don't think they've been good enough to get there on their own? They think they've gotten too much help?
0: No, not. That. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you see how, um, I guess, people are um, agreeing, with, arguing with the fact that, um, you know, they won by offside goals, and then you have an right. incident that... Um, yeah, and did etc cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, but I but I think they've played of everybody in the tournament outside of Argentina, they played the best soccer. I don't know how you uh, how you argue with that. No, no, I
0: mean, I I'm rooting for Argentina, you know. <laughs> they, they've, they've had a long time for them. Um, they haven't Sure, long, they've, they had long, they've had a long
1: they've had a long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever happens, I think it's going to be an a, an excellent game and it's uh you know, it's, uh, it's the 4th of July weekend. You get to to enjoy your barbecue and your soccer. So there's uh, how can you beat that?
0: Exactly, exactly. Yep. The perfect timing. Appreciate hey, yeah, it. Jason.
1: You know, no problem. Thanks, Roberto. Uh, a couple of things happening here on Twitter. As uh, Trevor asked the question, what do you make of the core player designation? Bill Reese, Reese comma Bill. Isn't the core DP thing just a reaction to MLS having the chance to sign two big Mexican stars? Uh, it's possible. I don't think I put anything past MLS and the uh, the leadership there, but uh, rumor is that this rule has been floated out there um, since the beginning of the season. In fact, this may be something that came out of the the CBA as sort of Christian Dyer sort of identified um, in his piece. It seemed to have a connection problem. We're back. Sorry about that. In Momentary interruption. Apparently the internet doesn't want to cooperate with me today. My apologies, but we are uh, back on the air. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Coming up in about 16 minutes, Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup on Twitter. Talk to him about the state of Mexico. We'll talk to him about the Giovanni dos Santos and Chicharito Hernandez rumors and uh, whether or not he believes one or both of those players may end up in MLS. Scott Nichols on Twitter. Says that the core design, a core player designation is just another way MLS can justify allocating big name players to big teams, salary, salary cap becoming a farce. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road for me. As an MLS fan, if you are one, how do you view the future of the league when it comes to the salary cap? Do you prefer, do you want the league to be? If they're going to have a cap, to have a strict adherence, or to have some sort of um, some sort of idea of how to apply the cap, so that parity reigns, we get teams coming into every year believing that if they're just smart with their money, they can put figure out a way to put together a winning team. Or do you prefer that MLS open things up a bit, whether it's through a, design, a core player designation or anything else, um, to allow teams to the big teams, the big money teams, to spend what they want to spend? Because there are plenty of people out there who will tell you that the best way forward is to allow for greatness, allow for dominant teams, allow for dynasties, because that has some sort of pull uh, for the casual fan, for the average soccer fan. the way, even, uh, even though Barcelona and Real Madrid dominate La Liga, that league is still extremely popular. Daniel in the ATL, what's up, my friend? Daniel, are you with me? All right, we may I may have a I may have a phone issue. Oh, I do have a phone issue. All right, let me uh, let me fix the phone lines. Apologies to Daniel. Uh, we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, there's not much I can do about the phones unless we go to a quick break. Uh, my Internet dropped out and the phone connection dropped out. Uh, we'll put you on hold for a second here. We'll come back to that. Um The core, the core player designation, if that allows Dos Santos to come in the league, you can understand from a league perspective why they would want that to happen. That this is a, uh, this is what's good for the goose is good for the gander situation. That MLS is still as a building league, as an improving league, as a growing league in a position where they can't turn down the opportunity to sign a player like Giovanni Dos Santos, both because of his talent and because of his marketing cloud. MLS can't say, Oh yeah, you don't fit within our rules. So we're gonna pass. For them that's bad business. And business, and again, this this can upset you if you'd want it to. I mean, I I get it. Competitively speaking, this is a problem. Business is going to trump that competitive element. They can find a, but this is why the rules are as malleable as they are. They're, now they can find a way to squeeze in Giovanni Dos Santos to the LA Galaxy. By, because they make up a new rule this is why the rules are the way they are they're complicated, they're convoluted and they can just tack on things as they go along to allow for the possibility of signing Giovanni Dos Santos that's where we sit with this thing that's where we are if you have thoughts on this give us a call 646-832-3909 what I'm going to do is hit a quick break here, set it reset the phones and get you guys on the air before we get to Tom Marshall. I apologize for this. Uh it's a internet thing, whatever. Unscheduled break. Now a, not a, now another unscheduled break just to get the phones working. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with
1: Jason Davis. All right, so this has been quite a week. We have... (laughs) We've had a leak in the studio that killed the show on Wednesday. Yeah, right right in the middle of me trying to get Andrew Mangan on to talk Arsenal. The water, the yellow water begins to fall six inches from my microphone. I, I panic. I mean, I panic. My heart starts beating a million miles a minute because I think I'm going to get yellow water all over the equipment and then the show will be really be dead for a while. Now, hopefully you think insurance will pay for it, but I don't know how long it's going to take. We could be off the air for quite and you got the serious XM show that same day, just like every other day. Like no water. Go. What is happening? Then yesterday, Trevor has a problem. So we, we technically, we, we can't we just, ah. And then today, at least we're on the air, but this has been a back-and-forth battle with technology. What the heck's going on, people? If I missed your call the first time around, 646 832 is the number. Jump in. landed in Salt Lake. I appreciate the patience, Landon. What's up?
0: No problem. How are you doing, Jason?
1: I'm good, man. Fourth of July weekend. Happy birthday, America.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's great. Have a day off. It's awesome today. Hey, uh, first off, I'll, I'll, I just want to ask you, sir, are you in some kind of collusion with Sirius trying to get me to buy a subscription? Because going the last two days without Soccer Morning almost pushed me over the edge of it. I got, I got this <laughs> close to buying it
1: yesterday. <laughs> I'm not. Look, uh, we are, we are, we are delicately, delicately balanced around here. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the Sirius show, the Sirius XM show is a big step forward for Soccer Morning for, for Trevor and I. And we have embraced it with both hands, but we're also very cognizant of the fact that though we are loyal, we need to be loyal to all the people who are loyal to us here at the the web show, the free version of the show. That's why we pump it out every day. We could we could have said, you know what? Enough with that thing. Let's quit on that. We'll go we'll go just do satellite radio from now on. But that wouldn't be fair to all the people who don't have. And I don't expect everybody out there to plop down their twenty bucks to get serious. I think yeah. it's, I think it's worth it. But that doesn't mean I, I expect everyone to go out and buy it and you know, we wanna make sure that, that we're providing this the, the right and yeah, I felt bad. I did, Landon, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay, that's okay. Um, hey, I just wanna talk about a bit about the the core player rule. Um so I think I think it's an interesting concept and I I kinda agree with a lot of the cynics out there that I think it's definitely for the you know, the Seattles and the LAs of the world. But uh and this is coming from, you know, a small franchise team out here in Utah, right? But I I gotta be honest, what's that saying? A a rising tide, what, rises all boats or something like that? Raises all boats?
1: Rising tide, yeah, lifts all boats, yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really believe in that. I really do. Like, I, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of all MLS having all its different rules. I really think there shouldn't be a salary cap, but, but yeah, no, I think, I actually think it's a good thing overall. Um, as much as I don't think RSL is gonna really benefit from it, and it's just gonna make the competition harder, that's fine. Um, you know, I'm I'm completely fine with better teams coming here to play. It makes it makes me the season ticket holder have have better games, to, better yeah. games to watch. I mean, I don't, I really don't care all that much if other teams get really, really big and, and RSL still kind of stays the same size. That's fine. I still like the team. I know it's a small market team, but I really think it would increase, you know, the overall quality of the league. Well,
1: you know, I think there's there's a lot of interesting psychological dynamics here when we talk about sports and how people are why people are attracted to sports. Um, you know, if you look, say, look, look at Major League Baseball. Okay. So Major League Baseball has, they don't have a cap, but they do have a luxury tax. So the Yankees spend $200 million, $300 million, $250 million, whatever it is on payroll every year. And that obviously gives them a massive advantage in talent. They are, they have the most talent. They have the, the best players, relatively speaking, of anybody in the league. And yet here we are. Do the Yankees win the World Series every year? No, no. I mean, well, that's the thing. Kansas
0: City still made it to the World Series.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, and and, and you know what? The the Royals may have a a five year run or a three year run or something like that, and they may go back to being an also ran or 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 a, a poor team for whatever reason. Now there are some revenue sharing things that that make up for some of that small market stuff, and and, and you can't compare directly baseball or football or anything to to, the, to, to MLS but it goes to show you that if you have smart people in charge it almost doesn't matter what market you're in if if there's some sort of equitable sharing of resources and there are it's not completely a runaway train situation the Yankees aren't able to spend 10 times as much as as the small teams but they are allowed, they are able to spend well maybe they are spending 10 times as much I I don't know um but if you have smart people in place like they do in Kansas City and you develop your talent the way that they have in Kansas City, and here's the key for MLS, go develop go those teams. The RSLs of the world, Columbus is the world, go develop your own talent, because that's how you compete with the LAs and the New Yorks and the Seattles who can go and sign who they want.
0: No, I a hundred percent agree. I mean I think I think you you have you know, when you're a fan of a team like that, that's something you just you understand and accept. I mean when when you're you know, if you're a Casey Royal fan, you realize that you're a small team. But when you do go far, it just makes it that much more exciting. Yeah, that's what I was going I mean, say. look at last year when they, when they almost won. It, it was a huge deal compared to, you know, for the Yankees going to the World uh, Series. Exactly. And it was huge everywhere. And I can't, I, I, you know, I don't watch much baseball, but I can't imagine how excited it must have been to be a Casey Royals fan last year, seeing your small team go that far.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly where it, where it lies, that you as a fan, the character of your team helps decide what kind of fan you are and what you'll, what you're willing to accept. Of course there are people who rail against the Yankees buying everybody up. But that just makes them into villains, which just makes baseball and, and the Yankees and their dynamic that much more intriguing so you're an oh, R- yeah. you're an rsl fan every time your team makes a deep run in the playoffs or goes to a final or has a chance to lift a trophy the way they did in 2013 that that is that's a special thing and you feel more vindicated as the small market team we did this without that big money we didn't take any shortcuts we figured out how to do it uh, uh, by being smart and by having good coaches and by having committed players, and that just adds a, a special sheen of specialness to what you did. That's not to make a value judgment about the Yankees fans being lesser fans; they're not. They care about their team just as much, but that attitude is different. Now you have the uh, the LA Galaxy fans who are just, uh, you, you know, set set in their their uh, superiority, which now again makes them the villains, and now everybody else has a target, and the league gets more interesting.
0: Exactly. I mean, the Yankees. Yankees fans, true Yankees fans, they love that they're the villain, yes. and that's great. Yes. I mean, if they want to do that, so you know, I as a, an RSL fan, I, no, I hate LA, I hate Seattle, and that's fine. And they know that they have a team that's you know bought not built, which is fine. And I'm I'm glad I'm the opposite way. So no, in all, I, I really think it's a, it's a good step forward. I really wish they do away with color caps all, all across the board, but I, it's a good step for the league at the very least.
1: There you go. Appreciate the call, Landon. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. You. you have a good Back. 4th of July. There goes uh, Landon out in Salt Lake City. Uh, let me know what you're doing for your 4th of July. Well, we, we, we're going to get Tom Marshall on here in just a couple of minutes and talk. i talk about Mexican soccer on the day before uh, the biggest American holiday, I guess. You know, that's what we do around here. Uh, we, we're plumbing all depths. And there is the, uh, the whole American angle with those two Mexican stars rumored to be coming to MLS. Uh, certainly, it feels as though the... Giovanni Dos Santos rumors are legitimate and there's some serious weight to them. I'm not sold on on Hernandez coming to Orlando. I don't think it's going to happen. I think, uh, I know he's he's injured right now. That may impact some things, but I just don't see Chicharito Hernandez landing in, uh, Orlando and playing in MLS quite yet, considering his available options. You would ex- expect him to have some available options. All right. Uh, last thing I want to mention here before we get to Tom Marshall. I saw I came across this article this morning for uh, at, this is at Sport 24. It looks like it's a South African uh, sports website, but I'm sure this is reprinted. Uh, this, this story has been all over the place today. It's about the attitude uh, that they are taking now towards dissent in the Brazilian league. Brazilian referees are done tolerating whining players. Here's the crux of the matter. uh, the Brazilian Football Confederation has given referees permission to be ruthless with dissenting players, hoping to change a culture where complaints were widely accepted and often extreme. It's resulted in a huge increase in yellow cards, a lot of criticism from players and coaches who are constantly trying to deceive them. Uh, 100 yellow cards handed out for dissent in the first eight rounds of the Brazilian League. In the third round alone, 20 cards were awarded for dissent an average of two per game. Confederation says the recommendations were needed because of, quote, recurring complaints by individuals and groups of players against the decisions made by the referees during and after games. Now, the players are not happy. The coaches are not happy. Juan Carlos Osario, who's managing at Sao Paulo, I didn't know that, uh, is in here complaining about uh, not even being able to talk to the referee at halftime. But I get what they're trying to do here. Is this overkill? Maybe. But sometimes you have to take drastic measures when things get out of hand. And I'm not saying that, that MLS has a problem on the level of Brazil, but considering what we have just went through with Clint Dempsey and some of the things you see in MLS, uh, dissent's a problem. Dissent changes the way games are called. You want to put a lot of this on the referees. They're not very good, blah, blah, blah. Put some of this on the players as well. The referee's job gets easier. They can do their job better. They're not dealing with all of this stuff from the players. Let's take a break. When we come back, Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup, he'll join us. Talk about the Mexican national team, Giovanni Santos, Chicharito Hernandez, whatever else is on his mind ahead of the Gold Cup. Soccer Morning, worldsoccertalk.com. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com soccer. Again, that's Sling.com soccer. This Sunday evening... The Women's World Cup Final will determine who is the greatest team on the planet. Will it be the U.S. of A., Japan, Germany, or England that will be crowned champions? Whoever it'll be, I'd like to invite you to join my World Soccer Talk friends Carter Krishnire and Caitlin O'Connell on Rabble.tv for a real fan's perspective. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on television press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to soccer fans sharing their analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app on Sunday. So mark your calendars for Sunday, July 5th at 6.45 p.m. Eastern and celebrate the Women's World Cup Final with Cardick and Caitlin live on Rabble.tv.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk
1: with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning, talking to Tom Marshall, friend of the show, Mexico World Cup on Twitter, a man who knows everything about um, the world of Mexican football and is here to fill us in on uh, Gold Cup prep for Mexico and l 3 but certainly the injury to Chitorito Hernandez and the rumors surrounding Giovanni Dos Santos and Hernandez. Hi, Tom. Hi, Jason. How's it going? It's going well. It's a um, big holiday here in the States tomorrow, obviously, and it's a, it's a day of celebration, I guess. Uh, Gold Cup's coming up rapidly. Uh, before we get into some of these MLS uh, rumors, let's talk about the L3 and, and where things stand. Chicharito Hernandez injured in that match against Honduras. How big of a blow is that?
2: I think it's a, a significant blow. Um to the fact that, you know, he he has been the face of this national team. He is, he is a guy who, who, you know, brings people, a lot of people will have bought tickets to the Mexico games to see him. Um, and then on the field, you know, he wasn't a starter at the World Cup 12 months ago, but I think, um, he, he would have been starting at this Gold Cup. I think he's got, he's got ahead of Oribe Peralta. I think he's been looking extremely sharp in, in, in the games and in training. He looks really focused, like, and, and yeah, a massive blow for, for Mexico, really, not to have Chicharito at the Gold it, Cup.
1: It seems to be that it, when, it, when it rains, it pours for Chicharito. He obviously came off a difficult season with Real Madrid where he had um, limited time. I mean, he featured mostly when there were, were injuries or or in cup matches. Um, overall, where would you say, I mean, he's 27, just turned 27 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Where, how how do we get here with Chicharito, who, again, the move from Guadalajara to, to Manchester United, so much promise.
2: Yeah, no, I think he's, he's been a bit unlucky recently. I mean, obviously that Real Madrid move was, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he shouldn't have gone there. And, you know, he was never going to get minutes. But at the end of the day, someone calls you and says, at the end of the transfer window, you know, do you want to go to Real Madrid? Then it's very difficult to turn down. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's out for four weeks. He was operated on, uh, yesterday. So, you know, he'll be back recovering now. And I think that, you know, the big thing for him now with the Gold Cup out the way is, is where is this next transfer? And, um, you know, I, I, I think he's not going to be short of options. I think he's lucky that the, the injury is only going to be, you know, a month and not a couple of months. So, you know, hopefully he'll be, he'll be back for the start of the season, which is obviously makes him a lot more appealing if he is going to move on from Manchester United. Uh, speaking
1: of that, I mean, that's going to segue us uh, very nicely into the rumors that are surrounding Chicharito and um, specifically Orlando City. Now, there is the other rumor, Giovanni Dos Santos, and we'll come to that here, Tom, in a, in a couple of minutes. But when it comes yeah. to Chicharito, and I, I've spoken to Eric Gomez recently, he seems to think that this is mostly you know, to drive up his price in Europe or to to get some movement um, with European teams and their interest. I can see that. I certainly think that Chicharito should have options in Europe. Do you imagine that, that the MLS, um, the MLS interest and the rumors that he's speaking, uh, to, to Orlando City are more about getting a better deal somewhere else?
2: I don't, I don't think so because I don't think someone like Chicharito necessarily needs that. I mean, I think his, what he's achieved in Europe speaks for itself in a lot of ways. And, you know, his agents come out and spoken to the press and there's interest from all over. There's interest from all the big leagues. Um and and you know it makes rational sense that there should be because you know of who of the player he is firstly on the field but then off the field the uh, you know how, how big he is commercially um not just in Mexico but you know in all of, all of North America now I don't know I think I think that Chicharito and and you know we'll we'll move on to Giovanni Dos Santos I do think there's a difference in 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 terms of where the careers are at but I think Chicharito on a sporting level wants to prove himself in Europe mm-hmm. I think desperate to move to a club where he's going to be starting regularly and I think he's desperate for at the minute he's got this label as a super sub and we saw last year he was he came out in some interviews and he was so upset about it he was visibly upset about how, how people assumed that he was just a player that came off the bench obviously the last year with Real Madrid hasn't exactly helped him kind of shed that image so I think that on a sporting level, he'll be he he'll want to stay in Europe, and mm-hmm. and I think there'll be big, big European clubs still after him that that are gonna that are gonna play him every week, and and that are gonna pay him big money. Okay. Um, so I'd say I'd say it's very unlikely that he's gonna come to MLS. Right, which which I think was
1: the point of, of what I was trying to get to. So rather than rather than Chicharito or his representatives using MLS to drive interest uh in Europe or, or, or drive up his price in Europe you're just saying that there might not be much to those rumors at all
2: no I, I, MLS will be speaking to Chicharito's representative absolutely no doubt about it I'm sure it's been going on for a while I mean it just makes rational sense they're gonna speak to these big Mexican players at some point I think Chicharito will play in MLS but I think with Chicharito in four years time when he's 31 I think MLS is still going to offer, offer him huge money, yeah. and it's going to be a big opportunity for him. Okay. So I think that it's still going to be there. I think it's, they're, going to, they're going to continue talking, and they'll continue talking every summer. Um, and, and I think eventually it will happen. It's just a case of when I think MLS are, are still testing the waters. All
1: right, let's turn to, uh, since we're there already talking about rumors in MLS, let's turn to Giovanni Dos Santos then. Yeah. Um, slightly younger player, not very much younger, but slightly younger player in in a different position in his career, as you said. But while Chicharito's had a difficult time and has turned into this sub and doesn't like the label, he's certainly, um, he's certainly on a different, different plateau than, than Giovanni Dos Santos. It's sort of turned again south. For, for for Dos Santos and now the LA Galaxy are in play and it it seems and I don't like I don't like drawing any conclusions until the player is at a press conference holding up a, a shirt Tom, uh, but it seems as though this is going to happen.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Jason completely. I think that uh, everything's pointing to this happening uh, or or being close to happening barring some you know last minute hiccup. I think that reports have come from Mexico, they've come from Spain, they've come from you know the United States press there as well so you know many sources now I think that uh, his agent came out the other day and he said talks are very advanced he said you know basically the first thing he said and I think this is really important his agent said the other day to Univision is that Giovanni is interested and I, that's what I hadn't heard before I'd heard MLS are doing this they're doing that core player I don't know what that means exactly but you know and um, they're doing everything in the power to try and get Giovanni and then his agent came out the other day and said Giovanni is exploring the options. He's, he's very interested in coming to MLS. And I think that was a, a big break. And I think for, for Giovanni in his career, he's, he's had a bad year with Villarreal. I mean, you know, a year ago at the World Cup, he scored the a, a goal against the Netherlands. And, you know, obviously he's still a, a very good player. But if you look at uh, what the options Giovanni dos Santos would have now in Europe, I don't think he's going to make a step up from Villarreal. Right. If anything, he'll, he'll make a little step down if he is to move on. So therefore, you see the LA Galaxy option, obviously big club. They're going to pay him big money. And he's, and he's playing with, you know, a few other star names as well. And all of a sudden, um, it makes, it, it seems to make some sense from his point of view as well. Mm-hmm. They actually asked Miguel Herrera about it in a press conference, um, after the, after the game against Honduras. And Herrera, I asked him, you know, is this going to affect his position on the national team? Obviously, taking into consideration Jürgen Klinsmann and, and his comments about US players moving back. And Herrera's first question was like, "No." It was almost like taken aback by the question. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, "No." Like, why would it? Why would it? And, yeah, I think know? I
1: think this is fascinating for a couple of, of of reasons, and um, one of them is that while Giovanni Dos Santos is not on on Chicharito's level, he's certainly still a big name within the the Mexican soccer community, within the Mexican national team. We know how talented he is. Whether he's consistent or not is a different question. He's still incredibly popular. He's still a known name, he brings a level of attention to the galaxy and to MLS um, that you just can't pay enough. You know, MLS MLS can't turn down the opportunity to sign him, no matter what he requires from a rules perspective for them. They have to, if he's available and he's interested, they have to sign him because he's he represents something major for the growth of MLS and the interesting uh, the other interesting element you just mentioned it the assist from Miguel Herrera, based on your question, because he, Miguel Herrera has been pretty consistent about the, the growth of MLS, the improvement of MLS, and if he's going to sign off on Giovanni Dos Santos playing in MLS and saying that that won't affect his national team career, that that's a, that's a big step for MLS.
2: Yeah, 100%. It's a, it's absolute no-brainer. And, and you know, I, I know I made that comparison with Chicharito and Giovanni, but let's not forget Giovanni Dos Santos is a very, very good player. Yes, I mean, yes. you know, he's, he's not had... The best of times, but it would be, it, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's hard to overestimate or, um, exaggerate, sorry, you know, the, the impact it could have. Um, you know, we see these national team games, 70,000. I mean, 70,000 to see Mexico against Honduras in a, in a friendly in preparation for the Gold Cup. I mean, those are incredible numbers. And, and obviously the, the Los Angeles area is, is full of Mexico fans, and yep. and i you know, from from just my Twitter. I mean, I think people would would be showing up to the games. I think they'd be buying the shirts, and and you know, the impact of Giovanni dos Santos could would be obviously huge. The other thing, Jason, quickly, so to go on too much, but um, no, Tigres Tigres made an offer. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 there's a source that told me that Tigres made a big offer for Giovanni dos Santos earlier this summer. I mean, we've seen Tigres sign uh, Gignac and Uche from Uche came from Villarreal. So, um, and Aquino from Villarreal. So, and, and, but Giovanni dos Santos didn't want to come back to Mexico. So it's worth kind of, you know, pointing that out. And he
1: is, he is from Monterrey. So that's, that's obviously, um, something that, that is a little surprising if he wasn't considering that. I, it was pointed out to me that I don't know what, what this means or if it has any bearing at all on his decision or, or what could happen in the future, but Giovanni never played in Mexico. I mean, he may have come through, you know, he may have, have, Left Mexico and gone to Barcelona. But I'm, what I'm saying is he doesn't have those deep seated roots to a club where he's not identified with a club in Mexico, say the way that Tijerito's connected to Guadalajara. At least it doesn't seem that way. Am I wrong about that?
2: Uh, no, no, you're right. I mean, the only thing I would say, I think his, his father with uh, Club America and, sure. and Monterrey, I think there is a link there. I think one day he'd potentially like to come and play for, I think Monterrey is the club that, that he, that he would, uh, you know, like to play for. But obviously, I think, I think, um, I think the galaxy is just more appealing for him at the minute. I think mm. that, you know, the fact that he, someone like Giovanni, he has been, had a bit of a showbiz past. He used to date one of the Mexico's, like, most famous pop stars called Belinda. Right. Um, and I think, you know, LA, I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm sure he's looking at it and, and I'm sure MLS have, have thought long and hard. I mean, he has had a bit of a reputation for someone who likes to go out. Um, you know, And you put someone like that, 26 years old, in in Los Angeles. I'm, you know, it's a slight concern, but I'm sure the the positives outweigh. You know,
1: there there are and there, but there are there are big big personalities in L.A. already who who may be able to steer him right. I'm not saying that he needs that necessarily at this point at the age of 26. Maybe he doesn't. But you're you're gonna have you obviously Robbie Keane's already there. He takes a leadership role very seriously. We know Stephen Gerrard's going to have something to say. Um, Bruce Arena is not going to be the type of, of manager who's just going to sit idly by and let Giovanni DeSantos run roughshod over his team. So we'll see what happens. If this does happen, it, it will be a major coup for MLS. Certainly when we talk about the the LA factor, they need to sell everything they've got um, that's an advantage for Los Angeles that other teams might not have. But if you can get Gianni DeSantis, you can feed his ego a bit and get him to join the LA Galaxy at the age of 26, it's a massive step forward. Let's come back, before I have to let you go, Tom, to the Mexican national team ahead of the Gold Cup because now Chicharito Hernandez is injured. Hector Moreno is already out of this tournament. What exactly is the status of the Mexican national team on the eve of, of the Gold Cup? And is there real concern right now Uh, surrounding Miguel Herrera and his leadership.
2: Yeah, it's not good. It's not good at the minute. I mean, you know, they've gone seven games now without a win. I know that stretches back to the Copa America, which was a different squad. But whatever way you look at it, Mexico hasn't gone that long without a victory since 2001. So things aren't good. The press is on his back, on Miguel Herrera's back quite a lot. The team on the field, I mean, aside from the off the field, the pressure... On the field, Miguel Herrera has been switching formation. Um, he doesn't seem to have a clear idea of, of how he wants to play at the, at the Gold Cup. Um, I mean, not underestimating the, the opponents in the group stage, but he will have, you know, Cuba, uh, Guatemala and, and Trinidad and Tobago. You, you assume Mexico are easily going to win those games. Um, so he, he will have those three games to kind of, you know, before, before the big, before the games against, you know, the Honduras, Costa Rica and the United States come, he will have time to, to, to kind of get his team clicking. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think player for player, Mexico, I, I maintain as, is the best team in, in CONCACAF, mm-hmm. but you know, on July 9th, the new FIFA rankings are going to come out. And I think we're going to see Mexico potentially at a historic low. Ooh. And I think Mexico are going to kick off the gold, their gold cup campaign because Mexico kicks off on the 9th in Chicago um it could be a they'll be in third place in the concaf rankings which is incredible when you think about it and and you can't i don't think there's a strong argument that they don't deserve to be like that considering how how things have gone um in the last in the last couple of months it's a very you know things can turn
1: pretty quickly i mean it wasn't that long ago that mexico was riding high um and in costa rica Top team in the, in the region, at least in terms of the rankings and the United States recent improvement, but obviously went through their bad stretch. Is there any reason to think? I mean, the the way the United States sort of turned it around quickly and and certainly that European trip helped them, but is there any reason to think that Mexico can't just flip it on or, and, and I guess I need to ask about these friendlies that they're, that they've been playing. Tom, it, it seems like every other day we're getting a Mexico friendly. Um, that game against Honduras obviously doesn't look good because of the injury to, to, to
2: Dorito, but, even beyond that it, it just seems like overkill yeah it's i mean it's i don't i don't know what the point really of the Copa america was to be honest yeah. i mean they, they played a team which in in all three of the games they played the starting 11 was over 28 so it's not like they even like threw in players who, who in you know two three years could be part of the a team i mean a lot of those players were never going to see again and then yeah in the last two friendlies you know Mexico they, he played his best teams i mean let's you know, he played his best teams against Costa Rica, a draw, 2-0 down at half time, and then Honduras just couldn't open the, open the lot there. And I think that, you know, Herrera's coming out at the end of these games, and he's getting really heavily criticized, and he hasn't, he's not explaining why they're losing. I mean, he, he came out with a comment against Honduras, he was like, you know, the ball just didn't go in, that's why we didn't win. And it's like, <laughs> what, what kind of statement's that? I mean, that's the basic <laughs> principles of the game. Uh, you know, anybody can say that, so um yeah, I mean, he's been messing around with the formation. I think if it is going to work for Mexico, I think the most logical thing for him now would be to go back to his five-three-two to to keep the core of that World Cup team and yeah. and just absolutely go for it like that. And the players are more comfortable in that formation; they know what they're doing. Um, and and I think there's been a lot of messing around, and it's not worked in these friendlies. So we'll see. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun ride. What is it about Mexico, Tom? And and from your time. Covering
1: this team and, and and being in the country, what is it about the the psychology of this team that they seem to go on these big up and down swings? It's it's never it's never real level for a long time. They don't have long stretches of of playing excellent soccer the way we know they're capable of playing. They they seem to go way up and then way back down. What what is it about this team in in particular that that causes that?
2: It's difficult. It's difficult to to put your finger. On. I think it is slightly exaggerate you just because of the way the press works here as well
1: true yeah. just
2: because the scrutiny that this team goes the the they draw a game or they lose a game and then all of a sudden it's so intense and they play well and it's the opposite suddenly the best team in the world and the reality is you know for me personally i think every, we're talking about this mexico and the and the gold cup i think mexico's goal i mean it's the same for the united states and many many teams but if mexico the, the overall goal for this national team is to, is to be reaching quarterfinals and, and even semi-finals and finals of the World Cup. You have to be one of the best teams in the world. I mean, there's very few examples in World Cup of complete outside, te- outsiders mm-hmm. reaching finals and semi-finals. And if Mexico aren't in the best, the top t- 10 teams in the world, then they're going to lose games against, against better nations and they're going to, even against worse ones, slip up. So I think, uh, that's the big worry for Mexico. Is there a plan in place? Is Miguel Herrera the, the coach in three years at the next World Cup, seven years, 11 years, is he the guy who's going to take this team to be a top 10 team in the world? And I think from my personal perspective, I think there's, there has to be major doubts about that. C-cer- certainly.
1: Uh, I-, I guess I- I- I'm just sitting here thinking while I'm listening to you talk about this, that you know clearly, uh, obviously in this country, the United States, the-, the goal has always been just to get better, get better, get better. And m- maybe we have this dream of one day being among the elite Nations of the world, but I don't know how far off that is. I mean, Project 2010 was was an admirable goal, but it was never going to happen. We knew that uh, deep down, at least, and and, and we want to see progress. This is why Jurgen Klinsmann has such a large mandate. We we hope that our academies start to kick off and, and produce players. Mexico has a very different sort of feeling around it. This is a this is a country that's been playing the game, um, at a deep cultural level for a hundred years, Tom. This is the same sort of history that everybody else has. And there's clearly talent there. And when they are, are at their best, they're capable of beating anybody. And yet for whatever reason, they seem unable to get over that, that, that hump. And that's not, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's internal strife that causes, you know, all the money that's being thrown around and the, the different push pull from owners and the, and the federation and the coaches. And I, I don't know what the problem is.
2: Well, let's put it this way. If Miguel Herrera goes to Europe. What, what club would he manage? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there'd be many top ones, would there? Yeah. Let's be honest, and then and then you look at the Mexican players, and I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not turning into Jurgen Klinsmann, but I mean, how many how many Mexican players have played ever in the history at the very top of the European game? Very few, and and I'm not just saying European game because it's because it's Europe, whatever. It's that's because that's where the best football on on the planet is played, Mm -hmm. and and Mexican players aren't playing at that elite, and therefore, from a national team point of view, you look at the semi-finals of the, the the past World Cup. How many, how many of those players, what percentage of those players play in the Champions League is a very high percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I don't think that's any, I don't think that's just coincidence. I think that, um, Mexico's players have failed to, to get to that elite. And, and obviously we could, we could talk a long time about the reasons, but I sure. think, um, it does hold the national team back at a certain point. It, it, yeah, uh,
1: again, this is this is a much larger conversation than we have time for today. <laughs> but I mean, it's it goes. I guess it goes back to the mentality, and, and obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Mexican players not not leaving Mexico in uh, in in I don't know large enough numbers. Is probably the wrong way to say it. Certainly, taking their opportunities. There's there's a handful, just as as we've seen a handful of Americans go. And now now the number of Americans in in Europe is shrinking. Meanwhile, um, you know, Chicharito Hernandez finding it uh, difficult, Giovanni de Santos finding it difficult. There are, there are success stories, don't get me wrong, but there's something, there's something odd working here that I don't understand necessarily.
2: Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult to explain. It's, um, yeah, I mean, there's just so few, though, as well. So I think even if you took like the Brazilian exports, I know they've got the reputation, but there are also quite a few who fail. And I think that just the the sample from Mexican players and and, and obviously American players as well, United States, um, the sample is so small compared to other countries that, you know, I think we uh, we pick up on the failures a bit more. But um, yes, yeah, I mean, from the Mexican point of view, it's all about money. I mean, yeah, there's just yeah. absolutely no financial incentive to play in Europe unless you go to a massive club. Because only only massive only the bigger the bigger clubs can can pay the same as um, yeah it, know, it, a, a, a it, top league remix team.
1: Everybody wants to be Hugo Sanchez. Nobody wants to be playing you know lower half air division necessarily. Um, that's part of the part of the issue, I imagine. Um, the United States is a very different problem. Uh, Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup on Twitter, uh, ESPN FC. You know him. You love him. Uh, make, make sure you're following him and and checking out everything that he does. It is fantastic and it's a must during the Gold Cup period. Uh, Tom, I, hope, I imagine we'll be talking a lot during that Gold Cup period. Thank you for your time today. Thanks a lot, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We, uh, we'll uh, wrap this show up. It's, uh, it's a Friday edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you go to 3 nilfccom fccom to buy a Soccer Morning t-shirt. We've got the mugs over at backheel.com slash store. My apologies for the, uh, for the, uh, technical issues this week and the technical issues today we got a couple of calls in i guess uh talk to tom that was good excellent stuff talk to tom all day all right that's gonna do it we'll uh, see you over on sirius xmfc if you do have a subscription if you don't consider it enjoy your holiday weekend happy fourth happy birthday america go usa later